Institute podcast. This week, we have a trio of experts in blockchain and cybersecurity here to discuss an interesting new product that can help you detect a cyber intrusion way more quickly than you normally could. But before we get started, I did want to thank the Bitcoin Association for sponsoring this episode, and big thanks to IBM and Smart Ledger for participating. So to kick us off, let's go around the room and introduce ourselves, starting with you, Brian. My name is Brian Doherty. I'm the co-founder of Smart Ledger, the world's leading blockchain distribution channel. I am also the public policy director for the Bitcoin Association, which is a nonprofit educative trade association based in Zug, Switzerland. I'm also a certified cryptocurrency investigator and a subject matter expert on blockchain information security for the civilian component of the Department of Defense. My name is Patrick Valaschik. I'm a blockchain solution expert working at IBM and I'm for six years now helping companies to build the architecture and analyze the potential of a blockchain to implement in a particular solutions which they would like to deploy in their uh, companies to uh, make use of, of this technology and provide the immutability for solutions they are building up. My name is Gregory Ward. I'm the Chief Development Officer of Smart Ledger and the co-founder of CertaHash. I have over 20 years experience in web development. I'm certified in cybersecurity analysis and have been focusing on scalable blockchain application development since 2018. So Brian, from a macro viewpoint, can you explain how cybersecurity incidents are a rising threat for the food industry and business at large? Yes, uh, I think it's hard to think of a more critical economic sector than agriculture. Um, it's an industry that directly affects the lives of everyone worldwide. The food industry is a multidimensional, complex, and challenging weave of interdependent companies as it is today. Uh, the future of the food and agriculture industry will increasingly see the application of smart devices, IoT, and automated farming techniques. And these advances in agritech will also bring along with them an increase in potential cyber threats. As I previously mentioned, you know, many of the companies that make up the nation's food supply chain are extremely interdependent. And any interruption or halt in production during the harvest season, for example, can really reverberate throughout the entire industry as food processing plants and distribution networks feel the effects of events that may have happened weeks or even months earlier. These disruptions result in uh, obviously price spikes and shortages that affect real people's lives. Um, as we've seen in previous examples of cyber attacks in this sector, the world's food supply chain is extremely fragile and dominated by this relatively small number of large conglomerates. And as I mentioned, shutting down any massive food production or distribution business creates this immediate national concern. And there is no shortage of groups really looking to kind of create these types of interruptions, whether hacktivists seeking to protect animals or the environment, cyber gangs involved in attacks, or even nation states that are seeking to disrupt uh, global food industry. And because cyber criminals aim to shut down production, they threaten people's lives and food production networks and companies and business networks are really at an extreme risk as we move into this you know, extreme data era. 
And something you bring up there, Brian, I think, you know, something of the fragility aspect, even when you see traditional issues, you know, we saw it this year with the war in Ukraine, we saw it with inflation, you know, uh, the food system sometimes has difficulty kind of rebounding to these traditional kinds of issues. And I thought it was really interesting taking a look at a threat that a lot of people may not really see yet, um, something that is a little bit more in the shadows just by its nature. But I do think the JBS hack in recent years was kind of a watershed moment for the food industry. And I'm wondering if you could give us an estimate when it comes to costs, you know, when a company has to deal with one of these data breaches, what would you say they have to pay on average? I know that number might be a little bit elusive, but, you know, what would you say is kind of the industry average when one of these issues arises? Yeah. And just to kind of backtrack there a little bit for those that may not be familiar with the JBS food um, breach, you know, JBS is obviously the largest meat company in the world and we're a victim of this vicious ransomware attack that was believed to be originating from Russia. Uh, the attack, you know, prevented operations from happening at over 13 meat plants, including nine in the United States alone. Um, the hack set off this domino effect that really quickly spread across the entire country Wholesale meat prices soared and the balance between the supply and demand immediately became, you know, volatile. Uh, farms and ranches were not able to bring their animals to market. Restaurants and resellers were not able to secure meat. And really the corresponding scarcity drove up consumer prices significantly. And due to that downtime and global pressure that this hack created, you know, JBS decided to negotiate with the hackers and ultimately paid them $11 million in Bitcoin for returning uh, all of their uh, encrypted information. So the cost of a data breach can balloon well beyond just the origin, original ransom that is being paid, you know, and this includes, you know, repairing the reputation of the company after a breach, which also requires significant attention and resources to fix. And there are also significant fines as government and regulators have been really getting more serious on organizations that don't properly protect consumer data. And the fines levied from governments for these incidents can, like I said, be quite significant. For example, in 2017, um, due to a breach at Equifax, where they lost the personal and financial information of nearly 150 million people, they were later fined, you know, $575 million. And actually, some believe it was up close to $700 million. And these are all very important factors to consider, especially since, according to, you know, recent industry security reviews, you know, of, of over, they found that over 20% of food companies have a known vulnerability in their exposed internet assets. And, you know, this varies obviously from benign to very critical, but it really sets the precedent that, you know, the data security and data integrity and network integrity is, you know, something that is worth investing in prior to an attack and preventing than it is trying to clean that up.
Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point there. I know that you have had, uh, you know, experience working with legislators on this topic in the past. Uh, something that kind of comes to mind is it seems those fines are kind of reactionary. I'm wondering, you know, in your talks with legislators, do you think the regulatory you know, environment is going to be increased in the years to come? Do you think it's going to get a little bit more proactive with agencies making sure that these kinds of security options are available? How do you see that playing out in the next couple of years? Yeah, so through a lot of my discussions with policymakers, there's been obviously a distinct focus on resilient cybersecurity practices. And, you know, that's being discussed and legislated today. I, I believe they also see this as a critical moment to really accelerate our efforts to improve domestic cybersecurity and bolster our national resilience. Um, there are also significant resources being invested to uh, secure our nation's data and infrastructure. You know, I believe the Biden administration alone has earmarked close to $11 billion. And I really hope to see a great deal of innovation stemming from these type of investments and, you know, these new regulatory and legislative efforts. Um, and believe some of the new infrastructure we will discuss, you know, in this podcast will also play a huge part in securing the food industry in the future. Um, and, you know, just thinking about the overall, you know, landscape of, of cybersecurity and information security as it plays out, there is going to be holding companies more to the fire to maintain and report these type of data breaches in a more transparent and auditable manner. And I think that's another area that, you know, we will discuss today that can really, uh, blockchain can really help uh, have shared permissioned, you know, real-time alerts of these, you know, uh, events of national concern. So before we start talking about those solutions, I did want to turn to Greg for one question. On one of the pre-calls, we talked about the typical timeline when it comes to detecting a hack into a company's network. It really, really surprised me. So Greg, I was hoping you'd talk a little bit about that timeline, how long it can kind of take uh, for a company to even know that there is a data intrusion, and then some of the steps that would typically take place after that. Would you be able to share a little bit on that? Absolutely. Uh, when we started building Sentinel Node in 2021, According to that year's uh, IBM annual cost of a data breach report, uh, it took an organization on average 187 days to detect a breach and another 75 days to contain it. Uh, that's up to 212 days, and that number is going up every single year, uh, up to 277 days in this year's report. Uh, we felt that that is not only acceptable for any organization. Uh, obviously, it can threaten a business's survival. It could harm reputation, leak personal data, potentially reveal classified government information or unknowingly affect other entities down the line. Uh, that's honestly what stuck out to us the most and why we chose to focus on improving breach detection with Sentinel node. Uh, so as you said, you know, the first thing that a, a company, you know, needs to find out is if they've been breached, they need to be able to identify that breach and then take the appropriate steps to uh, respond to that breach whatever those steps might be. Sentinel node, uh, we felt that that was the most important thing was to be able to alert the organization at the earliest possible time. 
Yeah, and that number, like I said, really, really sticks out when you think about it. For the greater part of half a year, a company might not even know that there's been a data intrusion. And when you think about the consequences of this, you know, even when you know it's happening, it's very, very, you know, catastrophic for a company. It really does harm reputation. People no longer trust that company. But for this to be happening and not even knowing about it, you know, really, I would think it's a lot of... Right. Yeah, exactly. It is scary. It's something that I think a lot of people are unaware of as well. I mean, clearly, you know, it's happening in the background. People aren't typically aware, but I'm talking even consumers aren't aware that this kind of threat's out there. Um, Before we jump into Sentinel Node completely, I would like to talk to Patrick a little bit about the traditional forensic process before uh, the blockchain technology was kind of instituted for this kind of security. And I was hoping, Patrick, you could talk a little bit about that. What was that process like before there was a solution like Sentinel Node? Yes, of course. So um, I wouldn't say that the forensic process is significantly different with Sentinel Node, but uh, it should be definitely much faster and cheaper. But because the main purpose of Sentinel Node is to equip the companies or organizations with a tool which can enhance the identification process and drastically reduce the time needed to find that the attack or breach occurred. And the standard forensic process, I would say it's no different from any other crime scene. Uh, I mean that the most critical step is preservation of the evidence. So if you don't obtain the evidence properly, everything else you do may be rendered invalid. So the most crucial questions which we should um, answer when some breach has happened is first of all to identify if a breach really happened it's it's the most crucial one we, we need to find out if uh, really we had some problem and then we need to mm, decide or de- define uh, define what was the size and the, and the business impact of our breach or attack and how did the attack occur and there are several steps which should be taken into account first of all there is a notification of a potential breach so there are many different alerts which might uh, inform us about the potential attack or a breach. And the important part is to figure out which are of these alerts are fake or real. And the attackers might try to hide their activity. It's an uh, obvious thing that they would s- somehow try to um, hide the, the, the attack and they might provide us some fake alerts or fake uh, uh, information and maybe they would try to attack us in uh, various ways and uh, at the same time so we would have to identify which of them uh, are real and and uh, and the fake one and while we need to take uh, take a look into uh, every alert it is uh, critical to not get into a tunnel vision because some attacks are just false flags as i said and those are only designed to obfuscate the another attack which is uh, happening behind and it means that we need to point quickly to the files which contain the, the exposed data. If we have identified our potential virtual attack, then uh, when the alerts has been confirmed, it's our time to act. So we need to follow our incident response plan and address the incident and run a subsequent investigation. The next step, of course, is to determine the extent of the damage while preserving the evidence. So we should, as I said, uh, identify what is the size and the business impact, how long the system or, or a file was affected, what kind of data has breached, and uh, if it does contain any personal identifiable information, etc. Et because it's uh, really crucial in order to uh, fix the, the, the issue and find uh, what exactly happened there. 
Then we need to, of course, ensure our systems are secure. So we need to make sure that all the vulnerabilities are addressed. And the last step in, in our forensic process is to prepare some reporting. So we need to create the, both the internal and external reports, and we need to communicate the valuable lessons learned from our attack and from uh, from the uh, from the incident which, which happened. And we need to communicate also the vulnerabilities which led to, to this situation. And this is a standard process, but uh, as Greg said, it might take up to 270 days, uh, of which most of it is uh, dedicated to, to the first step, which is the identification of a breach. And Sentinel Node is here to reduce this time significantly, because there was a lot of situations where organizations were informed about the breach from the external source. Uh, when the data was already posted to be sold on some uh, darknet or, or forums, which is a huge reputation issue because, uh, in fact, the companies are informed not from the internal sources that the breach has happened, but they get informed from some external uh, external sources, forums, or uh, or a news. And this is, as I said, a huge reputation issue. And with the Sentinel node, the identification time is reduced to a minutes or seconds because we are actively monitoring the critical files or logs and the tool is informing us in a real time that unauthorized access or change has been made, which means that uh, there is a potential attack or a breach and we exactly know in the real time which files are associated with this incident and we can um, you know, uh, run our... Um, our incident response plan uh, almost in the real time so we know exactly what happens there and that's the main purpose of, of a sentinel node so it's not to uh, completely uh, change our uh, forensic process but rather to enhance it and reduce the identification time uh, as much as possible yeah and as a consumer you know it gets kind of frustrating when you see a news report that your data has been hacked from you know a website a company and you're finding out from the news yep. it's not coming directly from that company itself so i think you know that reputational part's really important right giving your teams the opportunity to kind of be proactive on this instead of reactive i think really speaks a lot to you know overall just generating a positive kind of you know relationship with your consumers in general um, one thing I'd like to talk about, and Patrick, you kind of answered it, I think, already, but, you know, I was going to ask what's the main benefit of utilizing this blockchain technology for this type of security you definitely really hammered into the fact that, you know, it is so quick compared to the traditional kind of lay, layout when you would go through this process. But I'm wondering, is there any other kind of benefits of using that blockchain technology for this type of uh, protection? Yes, of course. So uh, the first thing is to understand what the blockchain really is. And uh, from technical perspective, blockchain is just a database, but it's the database with some unique characteristics of a decentralization and the immutability. And it means that no one can remove or modify the data which has been already recorded there. And from a perspective of a tool like a Sentinel node, which is generating events and alerts when some files have been compromised, it's crucial to prevent the possibility to turn off or modify those alerts by an unauthorized third party. And blockchain ensures that. So when the data about the incident is stored in the blockchain, we have an immutable record and we can trace back what happened and which files has been infected or attacked. And the attackers have no possibility to remove those alerts or prevent, um, uh, uh, yeah, remove or modify those alerts because the blockchain ledger is not giving them the possibility to modify it. And as long as we believe that the history of the transactions in the blockchain cannot change, the system is trustworthy. 
And the Bitcoin ledger itself has been not modified from the beginning of its existence. And that's the uniqueness of, of this technology. And that's the uniqueness of this particular protocol. And also the Sentinel node, which is utilizing a standard proof of existence use case, which is a simple, fast, secure, and probably the most recognized case of blockchain utility for a business. And those are the reasons why we believe that blockchain is much better than a centralized solution, which could be compromised during the attack as well as uh, files or data. So we are not only providing the uh, possibility to reduce the time to identify some breach or attack, because it could be also done with some centralized solution, but we are providing this immutability layer, which cannot be granted by any other kind of technology uh, and only blockchain is giving us this uh, immutable or record to or immutable way to record the information in, in the ledger. And thanks for sharing that insight, Patrick. I'd like to turn back to Greg now, and I'd like to talk a little bit about Sentinel Node, as promised earlier in the uh, the conversation. I do appreciate Patrick's kind of insight there, but I'm wondering if you could talk about Sentinel Node specifically, Greg. I think a lot of our listeners might say, hey, this is blockchain technology. Think. Patrick did a good job kind of explaining how that works, but I was wondering if you can kind of explain how Sentinel Node uh, differentiates itself from other uh, programs and technology in the field and how it can help companies with their cybersecurity. Sure. Uh, well, as, as Patrick said, uh, you know, we, we combine real-time network file integrity monitoring and administrator accountability with scalable blockchain technology. Um, and without scalable blockchain technology, the, uh, the added benefit of this immutable auditable uh, accountability layer could not exist. So we really feel like we're improving the real-time uh, detection and we're providing something that's never been able to be offered uh, before or has not to this point been offered with uh, the co combination of a public scalable blockchain technology. Uh, but Sentinel Node is, is extremely simple to install, uh, can safely operate alongside other legacy security tools, uh, providing additional detection assurance. Um, once the uh, Sentinel Node agent is installed on a network, system, uh, the system administrator logs into their account with their enterprise blockchain private access key, which we include as part of the solution. Uh, once logged in, the user navigates to the dashboard, chooses the devices, files, and logs they will be monitoring. Uh, they copy this configuration file or this configuration into their agent software and start up the system. Uh, at this point, the integrity of each chosen file or, logged, uh, or log is checked on a 10-second interval, and simultaneously, the state of the network is sent to the blockchain for auditability purposes. Um, if an alert is detected, it is immediately sent to the administrator and other permission stakeholders, and upon the handling of that alert, whether their alert is dismissed or uh, resolved in another fashion, um, the system admin is required to leave a note. And that note is signed with their enterprise blockchain uh, access key um, to give, again, again accountability to the fact that this uh, administrator has taken this course of action and that uh, note is encrypted and sent to the blockchain. Um, and we feel that this will improve any company's cybersecurity profile both in terms of response time to a breach, as well as accountability for administrator actions taken to resolve a potential attack. Yeah, and I'd like to talk with you a little bit about the forensic aspect as well. I know we've kind of touched upon this a little bit earlier, but that accountability part is really, really interesting to me. Uh, the fact that the administrator needs to leave a note, needs to be involved in the process, and it seems to have a lot of uh, checks and balances to make sure that, you know, that immutable kind of record is maintained. Can you talk a little bit about that as well? 
Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, accountability is everything. Integrity of data is everything. And that's why we're uh, creating these tools is to be able to provide protection uh, over networks integrity. Um, one of the first things a hacker will do after attempting to cause damage on a network is to remove their tracks from any logs. Uh, with Sentinel node installed on a network, not only is a breach detected near instantly, but we have already captured the chosen monitored files and logs on the blockchain, making it impossible for the, the hacker to obfuscate or remove his or her tracks. Um, and like you said, the administrator uh, furthermore must sign off on the alert with their uh, access key. And that, that allows us to provide that additional um, protection, if you will, of um, removing uh, or mitigating uh, both outside actors, bad actors, as well as inside bad actors. Um, but not even necessarily the fact that it might be a bad actor, but again, giving just an accountability for the actions that are taken. We were talking about supply chain earlier, but there's, there's a supply chain of actions. And we want to know, you know, I mean, who took what actions within an organization upon the uh, the report of a breach of an alert. Um, so, yeah, that provides us with an immutable and audible trail of evidence of network activity, anomalies and breaches, as well as administrator action accountability. And that's useful for any interested in permission stakeholder within the organization. Uh, it's extremely uh, interesting for cyber insurance companies, as well as, of course, regulators who might need to... Uh, examine into a potential uh, breach that affects many companies like we've seen before. All right. That was a great conversation today, guys. I really want to thank you for your time today. I definitely learned a lot about, you know, cybersecurity in general, how blockchain can help it, and also how Sentinel Node can really cut down on the detection time, which can really save your company when it comes to money, but also reputation. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Once again, I want to thank the Bitcoin Association for sponsoring this episode. And I really want to thank Greg, Brian, and Patrick for spending some time with us today. If you take a look at the description of this episode, you'll find a few links to IBM's data breach incident report. You'll also see links to Sentinel Node and Smart Ledger and also the Bitcoin Association. I ask that you take a look at all of those links to learn a little bit more about cybersecurity and what you can do to protect your company. That's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. This is Chris Campbell signing off.